Welcome, podcast listeners. Hello. This is Scott. And Teresa. From North Star Community. And we are here to do a weekly podcast recap, which a lot of you are going to need, I think, since we did not have a service last Sunday due to the snow. Yes, and our Saturday night service was attended by the most faithful, intrepid people who were willing to get out even though it was calling for snow the next day. Yeah, we had a debate about whether or not we were going to cancel the service. Then we saw that even though the snow wasn't going to start until Sunday morning, uh, pretty much people were staying in already. So we were like, well, okay, may as well. And you know, I'm all for that. And uh, I think it ended up being a a wise decision since uh, we got the angry guy on Facebook who kept saying we're going to have a big snow got proven right. He yeah, was I mean, very he, well justified to be as angry as he, he was. He was totally right. And you know, I believe in taking snow days off the day before snow. And then until all the kids are in all the country are allowed back in school, I don't feel like I should have to work. <laughs> I mean, it's just my feeling. I don't yeah. live on it. So but, every know. time a school is out anywhere in the country, the rest of the country should stop working. No, just me. Just you. <laughs> just me. <laughs> I think it would be pretty nice for everybody if any time one kid had a had a snow day anywhere in the country, everybody got a snow day. That's I'm only fair. It. I think it's fair. Yeah. So, uh, although I didn't do this in the Saturday night message, um, you know I'm obsessed with the story of the Cheesecake Factory, right? Yes, you have been talking to me quite a bit about the Cheesecake Factory, so tell me the story. And I can't believe on Saturday night I forgot I was going to use that as the center point of my message. And you didn't. I didn't even talk about it. No. Uh, so here's the story. Have you heard of it yet? Have I heard of it yet? No, I'm I'm, I'm asking our our uh, beloved listener. Oh, you're asking somebody out there yeah. if they've heard of it. Okay, Have you, beloved listener, heard this yet? So there was a cheesecake factory in Northern Virginia that decided to participate in the Cheesecake Factory national campaign to give away forty thousand pieces of free cheesecake. That's a lot of cheesecake. It's a lot of cheesecake. And the people in Northern Virginia went crazy. The AP News account says it clogged roads and byways. People got into fistfights. One person ended up hospitalized and another person was charged with disorderly conduct. They were hospitalized from eating too much cheesecake? They were hospitalized fighting over getting in line for the free cheesecake as if... 40,000 pieces of cheesecake, we're going to be gone in an instant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it sounds like sounds like they were almost right about that. Well, the story just outrages me. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I am indignant about this. Well, surely you understand the desire for free cheesecake. No, I don't. Okay. Buy your own stupid piece of cheesecake. <laughs> Most people can afford a piece of cheesecake. I would have been happier if... The Cheesecake Factory had said, we're going to go to all the homeless shelters in the country and give everybody that can't afford to come into our store and buy cheesecake a piece of cheesecake. But instead, no, we're just going to give it away free. And then people who could afford their own piece of cheesecake acted crazy to get one piece of cheesecake like they were all starving in a third world country. It's insulting to all people who are starving around the globe. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I probably would have been one of those people because I don't know how much cheesecake 
a piece of cheesecake cost at the Cheesecake Factory, but I would imagine it would be more than I would be willing to spend on a piece well, of cheesecake. Well, if you're ever tempted, you just call me and I'll take you to the Cheesecake Factory and we'll charge it. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure if you put someone on a charge card, you never have to pay for it. On the other hand, I also would not have gotten an efficient... You know what? Let me back up. I never would be anywhere there's a crowd, so... I, I would have just been like, screw it. I don't need the cheesecake. You might say you're going to do it, but the first time you saw traffic, you'd go, it's not worth it. And you'd have turned around and gone back and do it. Yeah, your I'd rather have no cheesecake than free cheesecake in a crowd. I agree. I know that's true of you. Yeah. So I'm out of having to buy you a piece of cheesecake, which is good yeah, news. Yeah, lucky for you. Yeah. But this was the thing I wanted to talk about in light of um, two things. So okay. just to get it out in the open and then let's go wild talking about it. The first thing being is, gosh, what are you willing to go to any links to show up for? Uh, that's the big question in my mind and a frustrating one sometimes to answer. And then related to that, and this seems unrelated, but to me it's totally related in my mind, is I have been also wrestling with a particular quote uh, that says, we are not punished. No, it says this. We are punished by our sins, not for our sins. Right. And I actually think there's a connection between, which I think the Cheesecake Factory story illustrates, living by a law of scarcity. Yep. And how we think about sin. Okay, so... Too big a stretch? I think I know where you're headed. Okay. But let's deal with them in order. Um, so, because uh, I think we're going to end up spending plenty of time on both. Okay. And I'm excited about the prospect. But since you said the other thing first, let's deal with that first. All right. What was, what was it, issue number one? Repeat it for us. What do you, how about I repeat it? Because you're Please looking do, very confused. Please do, because I've completely forgotten. I'm so busy being outraged, I can't remember. <laughs> I'm trying to play the role of MC, you know, and draw you out. And Give you me a hint as to what I just you're said. You're too old to remember your own stuff. I know. Sonny, uh, I've forgotten more than you've learned. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, you said it raises the question for you. Oh, yeah. What do you what, show up for? Yeah. What are you willing to go to any lengths? to show up for. Yeah. You know, it's not just what are you willing to show up for? It's what are you willing to get in a fist fight in a crowd of strangers over? You know, because it's it's so important. Because you know, I think well, yeah, maybe I maybe I should draw this out of you, but I mean at at first blush it's like you would think that they were giving away a year's worth of mortgage payments. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Like you, you would you would think that this was such a significant moment in a person's life that you could not, you couldn't justify not participating. Yeah. And whereas, basically, I look at it from the outside and I'm like, "There's a crowd. That's all I need to justify not going." And I think the the not that I'm better than those people. Well, no, but you actually make the same point that I'm wrestling with in a different way. You're making your decisions about what you're going to show up for based on your own personal comfort level. You don't like crowds. 
Right. So are you going to be willing to show up for a crowd for a compelling reason when you don't like crowds? It's the same issue, mm-hmm. right? I have my issues with it. I'm not going to show up for a piece of free cheesecake, but I might rearrange my priorities uh, for something else. Yeah. Um, in a confusing and non-congruent way. Right. Really missing what my core values are and in any point in time uh, missing the forest for the trees. Yeah, yeah. As a yeah, so like me, for instance, I'm going to run away from something important um, because I don't like a crowd, um, and that may contradict my core values. Right. Yes. Like the example for me is not what crowd are you willing to join. It's what are you willing to give up to be by yourself. Yes. And for me, so often that's giving up, you know, maybe my, my family to a certain extent, you know, like what am I willing, you know, what does my isolation cost me? Yeah, exactly. It's the same kind of, it's the reverse problem because I'm such a a loner. And what is your isolation, um, uh, prevent you from leaning into because you feel so strongly about it that you'll be willing to be uncomfortable. Right. Um, do you remember how we used to say that me, Ma, your grandmother, my mother, used to major in the minor? <laughs> uh, I do not remember that expression, and it sounds like one of those Southern expressions that makes absolutely zero sense to me. Well, I don't think it's a Southern expression. I think your dad came up with it, so it's probably a Yankee expression. But I feel like only Southerners have expressions, but go on. Well, so I think what it means to major in the minor is that Mima often got distracted by small things. Oh, yes. Okay. That does make sense. Right. So the time <laughs> that you didn't get up as early as she thought you should. Uh-huh. And so when breakfast came, she gave you a Pop-Tart, but she made eggs for the dog. Me and Michael. Yes. She had made eggs and bacon for those who were up early. Michael and I were sleeping down in the basement. This was about 9 a.m., and I was in high school. He was in middle school. So 9 a.m., still early for a, a high schooler on... A, I probably would sleep to 11 if uh, if left to my own devices. So we, we go up there at 9. And uh, there was plenty of bacon and eggs for the whole family. Uh, but the dog, Bandit, got me and Michael's bacon and eggs because we, we came up at 9 as opposed to 8.30 when everybody yes. else came up. So yeah. Michael and I got Pop-Tarts. Yeah. Everybody else, including the dog, got homemade bacon, bacon and eggs. eggs. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so draw funny story, well, draw so, the connection. So, you know, we all laughed about it. We all thought it was so funny, but Mima was sort of known for really thinking about very, very small parts of life that um, were important to her. And keeping a schedule was important to her. Uh, another phrase we used to have about Mima is Mima always would prefer to keep the kitchen clean than to feed any member of her family. So as soon as you <laughs> sat down to eat, you were on a clock. Right. Because as soon as she was finished eating her food, she was going to load up. the dishwasher. Yep. And um, this was very endearing because we all Brittany knew she- Brittany might accuse me of that. 
Well, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself because <laughs> that's annoying. I'm just realizing what problems I've, I've, I've got as an adult. But the thing of it is, is we all made a joke of it because we knew that her core value was loving and caring for us and feeding us. This is a woman who for every year that I was at home had dinner ready on the dot at 6 p.m. Right. A meat, maybe an overcooked meat, <laughs> a vegetable, a, yep. a starch. A dessert. Yeah, whatever. But whatever it was. So, you know, she had a schedule. She kept to it. She majored in the minor. Yeah. And I just think at some point we've got to ask ourselves, I mean, in a in a really serious way, are we in danger of so majoring in the minor that we never get around to living? The majoring in the major? Yeah. Living a purposeful life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we have a lot of things that can distract us today, and I'm not one for blaming culture or technology because I think we ought to take personal responsibility. But, dude, there are plenty of ways to get distracted with a little stuff and waste hours and hours of time. Yes, you are right. There are lots of ways to do that. So I think it's, a, I think it's an issue. And the Cheesecake Factory story just really brought it home to me that we're in trouble if this is the only thing we're willing to fight over. So that's the problem. The problem is often that no matter what we might say we value or what we might say we hold close to our hearts, that our actions tend to indicate what's most important to us. And in this case, a whole lot of people's actions showed that that getting a free bite was about the most important, most significant thing they could envision for their life at that moment. Yeah. So that's the problem. Yeah, it's a problem. And then the second part of it to well, tie in with this. Let's. I'm sorry. Keep going. We have to finish. All right, finish it. We have to finish part one because I think this is an important question because I think you've probably got a good answer to this. Well, we can only hope I can remember it. <laughs> but so that's the that's the problem is people showing up for the wrong things. But what kinds of things... You know, when you, when you think about what would be a a fulfilling life of faith, what are the types of things that uh, we should be majoring in? There's not, you know, one right answer, or it's it's not a one size fits all thing, obviously. But I would guess you probably have five or six things in your mind that you think, well, uh, everybody would be better off to if they were able to prioritize these things to. To some extent or another. I do. I probably have 50 things in my mind, but I'd rather tell you a specific story. Oh, gosh. Okay. I know you hate stories. <laughs> but last night in women's group, one of the women in our group is a wonderful chef and, and baker. Yep. And um, she did this amazing thing. Uh, she, I'm, I'm probably... Not going to tell us exactly right, but it's my understanding that every year at Christmas time, she picks some place where people are suffering and she serves them. And she went to a nursing home, and every person in the nursing home she had prepared a Christmas card for and brought cookie treats. And someone made the comment last night when she was telling her story, she said, You are glowing. And she really was. And I believe that cheesecake 
is not a glowing experience. And that the major things in life um, that are sacrificial and sometimes annoying and cost us a lot and are expensive and don't promise much giving back are the things that in the end can really help us glow. And what she did was she thought consciously about who was marginalized in the community and who could she serve rather than complaining about the problem. She actually did something about it and provided a solution. And I think that the solutions are as multifaceted and as varied as we can figure out what the problem is. But if we're wasting our time sitting in traffic for a free piece of cheesecake, how in the heck do we have time to be creative enough to use whatever our strengths, gifts, and talents are to serve somebody else? Yeah. And so, yeah, there's probably a list 50,000 items long of how to do that. And one of them is uniquely... um, we each are uniquely equipped with the potential to fulfill. So, yeah, that's what I think. So that's a lovely story. Thank you. Give me like four other things that just specific examples just to help get people's minds jogged. Well, I think maybe when we think about the holiday season, thinking perhaps more about how we have experiences of loving people rather than being distracted with all the trappings, that's pretty. that'd be a pretty good thing to do. Yep. Um, I think about being a person who supports and shows up for communities you care about rather than only um, talking about we wish we'd solve a problem or uh, this is a nice um, thing to do. I sure hope somebody else does it. Um, whether that be feeding hungry people or um, helping pick up trash at the side of the river, whatever it is, you know, just participate in part of the solutions to the problems that particularly vex you. Yep. Okay. Well, that was thing one. That was thing one. Now for thing two. So thing two. Yep. So I've been thinking about um, what are, and I'm actually writing a whole blog series on this uh, for next year, on what is it that distracts us from seeing the foolishness of chasing after free cheesecake when there are so many other things we could be doing that would would make us glow. And I think the way we think about sin gets in the way. Okay. So that's why I'm particularly entranced with the quote, we are punished by our sins, not for them. So it's not hard to see how getting in a fight in a crowd, trying to get a free piece of cheesecake and ending up in the hospital is a punishment. But connect it to this idea Connected to this quote. Well, I think, um, and to extrapolate from Brene Brown's uh, latest work, a great book, by the way, beautiful book cover called Dare to Lead. She makes the point in there and spends a lot of time unpacking it 
that if you want change to happen and you want to be more effective, um, and she's using particularly the workplace, but I think this can extrapolate to all situations. She says, you change is much more likely to happen if you're working on getting it right rather than being right. Unpack that for me. So I think what she's talking about is that being right means avoiding mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how we've talked about sin. Do not sin. Avoid sinning. Avoid making mistakes. As opposed to, I think what she's teaching, and I also think the scriptures actually teach this, um, get it right. As in, when you sin, make it right. Not don't sin, not, mm-hmm. but make it right. So know how you, know how, know what to do with your sin because you are going to sin, which, you know, could be defined as missing the mark or, or we've used the definition before living independently of God. That would make us better able to handle defeats. But I also think if we're thinking about getting it right rather than being right, it offers up opportunity for us to think about what is a right-sized life look like for me? And can I order my decision-making around that? Yeah. So um, being right, we talked about this a little bit at lunch, but um, being right is kind of this idea that you must get life right the first time. Yeah. And... If you don't, then that's kind of a death sentence for you. Yeah. And a lot of Christian communities are focused on being right. Yeah. And because the being right is so important, being wrong isn't an option. Yeah. Or not getting something right isn't an option. Now, I think that practically speaking, what this creates is a situation where people have to hide and live in secret. Because the reality is nobody's getting life right the first time. Or the 12th. But if you're not allowed to falter, then what happens is you have to appear to be getting it right. Yeah. And so when you have to appear to be getting it right, then you have to hide all the ways in which you are not. It's inevitable that you're not. And there's countless stories. You know, like it one Google search about just search the words pastor scandal. Oh, yeah. And you'll see dozens of examples of people who have been, who live in hiding for long periods of time because the being right was so important that there was no way to conceptualize what happens when we're not all we're supposed to be. Yes, and there often there's often a correlation between these scandals and huge disconnects upon what was expected of the congregation, which right. is why it's so devastating. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, uh, you know, just this, um, I just think it's not living life on life's terms a lot of times. And 
I think it's hurting us. It's keeping us from exploring what it would mean to get it right. Yeah. Um, it's very dishonest. Yeah. And even on a micro level where we're just laughing about it because we love her and she was, she was Mima and we would never judge Mima being Mima because it was so funny uh, to see it in action. But if we'd ever had a conversation about what message are we sending when we feed the dog eggs and bacon and give the kids cold Pop-Tarts, um, she would have been mortified if she had thought that that meant anything other than the fact that she really loves her dog and um, you guys just didn't wake up in time, right? But... No comment. <laughs> thinking about wanting to be hospitable and having very few opportunities to ever feed your grandchildren because they live far away, having that thought might have encouraged her to make a bit of a different decision. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I think about is that part of, actually part of both being right and getting it right in the Christian life is how we handle our weakness. And when I say weakness, I'm not just talking about the areas in which we're not strong. I'm talking about the areas in which we mess up and don't live up to our certain way of seeing. We don't live up to our ideal. Right. We all have ideals in terms of how we want to live our lives. And we're all falling short of those things. Yep. And, um, you know, at times to greater degrees than others, you know, but uh, regardless you know, what happens when you fall short? And being able to demonstrate that you have fallen short, that it was okay to fall short, um, that you're willing to make it, make amends, that you're willing to make it right when you have fallen short. I mean, that is both being right and getting it right. Yes. And, um, and it requires... But the being right mentality would never acknowledge that that was part of being right because being right would mean not making the mistake in the first place. Yeah, which is why I love the 12 steps, right? Because the 12 steps, very spiritual material, uh, actually gives you a very structured skill set way of getting it right when you've done it wrong. Yeah. And it in no way diminishes the fact that you've done something wrong. And um, I think sometimes that's that's what I am told by some people who really want to talk about sin and sometimes accuse me of not being hard enough on sin. Um, what they want to have a conversation about is, if you don't set the bar high, how's anybody going to achieve? <laughs> you know, we... We have to hold the bar of excellence high. And um, I was like, well, you know, not really sure that the gospel message ever promised that humanity was ever going to be able to jump the bar. Well, and, you know, if you're just, I mean, if you're just looking at it practically from a strategic standpoint, the higher you try to hold that bar, the more wildness... <laughs> 
you're going to see at the other end. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a reason there's a stereotype about really strict parents have kids who go the most off the deep end in college. Yeah. I'm sure there's a study that's going to come out at some point and say, that's not true. <laughs> but uh, conventional wisdom says there's really something to that idea. And anecdotally, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is potentially a rant, but can we dive in on this idea for a minute about the nature of talking about sin and holding the bar really high, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, rant away. Okay, so one of the most triggery and controversial passages in the Bible is Romans 1. And it is, in my mind, one of the most misrepresented passages in Scripture. How would you want to represent the meaning of that passage of Scripture? So it's the passage where it, it, it talks about that humanity has turned away from God and God's wrath has fallen out upon them and all this kind of stuff. And so often that's taken to mean when humans are sinful, God gets angry at them and he punishes them. But when you, when you do kind of a deep dive... There's a couple of things that you have to see. One is that wrath is not about God's anger, and it's not about his emotions at all. Okay. Yeah. What is wrath about? Because it sounds if, like being super mad, doesn't right. it? Yeah. Wrath is a, is sort of a, uh, it's a, it's a, that, not every word is difficult to translate well. Mm -hmm. That's one of them. Okay. And... But when you're looking at the context, beyond just analyzing words and what dictionaries say, when, you, when you're looking at the passage, God's wrath is an outcome, not a feeling. And it's an outcome in the sense that when you, the implication is that when people live lives according to their own desires, that, and specifically those desires that are at cross purposes with God's will, and we're talking on the aggregate here, like yep. humanity as a whole. We're not talking about specific actions like, right. you know, whatever. Um, that the outcome of living independently of God is sort of the punishment yep. in and of itself. So yep. when you say we're punished by our sins, not for our sins, there is a sense in which, and th this is an oversimplification, but there is a sense in which life lived independently of God is its own form of punishment. Yes, because it goes against everything that we were created for, right? Well, and I, yes, and I think that what, what happens is, is you don't get the benefit from being in God's presence. Mm -hmm. So you may be in God's presence, and I'm not talking about feeling like you're in God's presence or not. Right. That's a whole separate issue of right. whether or not we, we are feeling God's presence. But the, the, the New Testament promises that, that God's presence brings with it grace, mercy, forgiveness, and love, acceptance, inclusion, all these kinds of things. And these are benefits that you do not get to taste living independently of God because your life has pulled you elsewhere. And 
Um, so there's that piece of it. it w- so I, I think that part of the quote really rings true when you look at this passage. That seems to be what it's indicating. Right. So it's not saying because you have followed these desires, uh, God gets wrathful with you. Right. It is. You are pulling yourself away from what you could have. Yeah. And the word for that is wrath. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And the most ironic part is that the end of Romans 1, you know, for whatever reason, it goes right into Romans 2. Yeah. I mean, isn't that crazy crazy how how that that works? works? And it says that because we all do this, because we all have a propensity to lean away from God, who are we to judge? Right. And and yet we see so many opportunities missed when people pick something out of that list in Romans 1, usually something they don't believe they struggle with. Yeah. And they talk about... Uh, the sinfulness of that. Well, and it's like, yeah, if we don't if we don't police this stuff, then the whole thing's going to fall apart. Right. And um, I don't know where that comes from. I don't know what that's about. That inclination to just police the community. I would say that that most of the people that I see trying to play that role are not the people that I would be giving it to if I had my pick. Mm-hmm. And I don't see any indication that policing is the way in which you create a thriving community that models God's image. Yep. So anyway, all of that to say, I think that quote really rings true. And I think that it really is a is a helpful summary of Romans 1 to 2 stuff. Yeah, and I think it's a really good idea when trying to make sense of why we chase after free cheesecake. And maybe cheesecake isn't your thing, but I bet you got something you're chasing. To ask the question, how is this punishing me? Yeah. Uh, What am I losing out on? What is this costing me? Or what's it costing those that I love? And what is it cost? Because if it's costing me, it's also costing others. Because usually, oh, I'm sorry. Not to avoid punishment, but to say, no, you're living in the punishment. This Mm. isn't about avoiding punishment. This is about giving you guidelines as to how to make a turn and do something a little differently. Right. Yeah. I mean, the things that cost us something that we do over and over again usually have some benefit too, right? I mean, you could even, you could use the act of eating cheesecake as an example. Okay. It tastes good. It does That's taste good. That's the benefit, right? It's my fave. However, it'll make you fat. It will make you fat. So you've got a benefit and you've got a cost. And, some, and a lot of times for ourselves in our lives, we look at the benefit and we say, this outweighs the cost for me. And, and what we what we often do not do well is take that extra step to say, if I have, if I, Scott, have a heart attack and die at age 33 and I leave my wife and daughter here alone with nothing, is that worth it? Well, that took a very serious and sad turn. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
it did. It's probably going to make you cry to think about. But the, I think the point is so often we think about our lives only in terms of how we're affected. And so we'll, we'll, we'll be willing to live with a certain cost, thinking that we're the only ones who are experiencing the cost. Right. But there's a cost to others often to the ways in which we're not showing up or to the ways in which we're showing up for the wrong stuff or whatever, which is stuff that we're all uh, trying to figure out. Yes, and in contrast to that, I think about, for example, uh, my friend Juanita, who so often shows up with a thought or a suggestion at just the right time to uh, wake me up to something that I could be getting more right than I am. Yeah. But this is also the very same woman that I would never in a million years hesitate to tell her the worst of what I ever think, the worst that I ever think I have ever done. Right. Because she's not into punishment. Yeah. But she is also equally into believing in me that I can continue to get it more right. Yeah. That is... That's magic in a bottle when you can get those two things in one place. I think you're right. I mean, I think that's like automatic weight loss and wrinkle remover in one cream. <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> Man, we have been all over the place, haven't we? We have. We've been Has everywhere. this made sense? Well, it made sense to us, but I, I doubt that it's going to necessarily make sense to anybody else. But they well, can turn us off anytime they want. That's true. We're not going to worry about that. On your phone. You've got that little button with the circle around it that says go forward 15 seconds or 30 seconds or what it is, whatever it is. Yeah, race through it. Yeah. You might miss an important point tidbit, though. Yeah. Well, this has been fun. I think we've said all that we could say on this subject oh, plus some. Oh, my gosh. Some. Yeah, I need a nap. I, I, got, do, I got into it. I do think, though, that you you hit on a future message in terms of unpacking Romans 1 and 2. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, maybe we ought to do the whole book of Romans. Mm, maybe. Oh, there's a lot in that. Yeah. There's a lot in that. Probably by the time we were done, we wouldn't have a crowd anymore. It's got one of my favorite verses in it, though, if you get all the way to 12. So. Okay. Well, we'll have to save that for a future one. We can't solve all problems in one podcast. No, but you know what problem we can solve? We can tell them where we're going to get our awesome music. That's right. If you're in the mood, uh, if you're in the mood, uh, if you have a need for awesome music for your own podcast, uh, you could look at the group that we get our music from. And you know who they are? Blue Let's Dot if, Sessions. Say it again. I talked over you. Blue Dot Sessions. Yes. And they are found on the web. Do you know where? In some crazy thing <laughs> that's not Blue Dot Sessions. <laughs> it's sessions.blue. That's just crazy. I don't, I, they're confusing that old ladies no with that. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we're, we are grateful to have their music royalty free, which means we don't pay for it, but it means we get to benefit from it and we want to give them a shout out. Uh, if you have somehow stumbled on this podcast via the magic of the internet and wireless things, uh, we are found on the web at www.northstarcommunity.com. Again, I'm Scott. I'm the associate pastor. I'm Teresa. I co-pastor with Scott. 
She's a, she's the senior or head pastor. She says co-pastor to be nice. And uh, we are in Richmond, Virginia. And we hope you will look us up. And we really appreciate you listening. Yeah. And we're giving free cheesecake away this Sunday. That's right. We've got 40,000 <laughs> free pieces of cheesecake. See if you can get here by 930 on Sunday to secure uh, a spot in cheesecake heaven. Yeah. All right, guys. Take care. Bye.